Hello and welcome to That 90s Video Game Podcast, the show that takes a look back at the golden age of video games. I'm your host, Fergus, and today we're going to be talking about a game that's part motorcycle racer, part anger management sim, and definitely a classic. It's Road Rash. Plus, we'll take a look back at 1991 and explore some of the top news items in our time capsule feature. Let's get to it. Thanks for joining me, and yes, this is a brand new podcast. Each episode will be focused on a different game from the 90s, possibly a few years either side. We'll explore what it's like to play, as well as the history and trivia behind it. Some of the games will be firm favourites, and some will be those I missed along the way. I'm hoping all of the games are as good as I remember them, but at the end, I'll give them a score and see how they've held up over time. Hopefully this won't be too controversial. I'll also be inviting guests to join me in future episodes to reminisce and talk about what made this era of video games so special to us. I'm your host, Fergus, and having been born in the late 1980s, games from the 90s hold particularly great memories for me. My first console was a Sega Mega Drive, or Genesis if you like, and I'm pretty sure the first game I can remember playing was Road Rash. So that's where we're going to start. Developed by Electronic Arts and released in September 1991, Road Rash entered a crowded genre of racing games. But it quickly became a firm favourite and it's definitely a classic. I have to say, revisiting this game for this episode was a real trip down memory lane. Starting the game up for the first time in at least 20 years gave me one of those rare moments when memories come flooding back. The title music that you just heard was enough on its own to set some serious nostalgia in motion. Actually, the music is one of the best features of the game, but before I get into that, a quick word on emulation. As far as possible for this podcast, I will try and play the games on their original consoles with their original controllers, for that authentic experience. But it's not always going to be possible to do that, and therefore some emulators will be inevitable. I'm not evangelical about using the original consoles, but it definitely adds something to the experience. Emulation has come a long way though in recent years, And overall, it's fairly trouble-free. Even games like Goldeneye, which notoriously didn't run that well on the N64 itself, play nicely in emulation. Perhaps this will be a topic for a future episode. Anyway, back to Road Rash. Starting with the controls. They are basic, and that's the beauty of a lot of games of this era. And I think that will be a recurring theme in this podcast. Accelerator and brake, plus left and right on the D-pad to steer and lean. Up and down on the D-pad switch between punches and kicks, and a final button is for throwing those attacks. Whilst the game is fairly simple to learn, there's a lot to master with the timings for hits and turns, in particular countering the lean out of corners to maximise your speed. The game has similarities with Hang On and Super Hang On in this respect, games I loved at the time as well, but those games definitely have a much higher difficulty curve and more punishing tariff for mistakes. Looking at the visuals now, The display is nicely laid out. In the top two thirds of the screen, there's your rider and the road snaking away ahead of you. The lower third is your dashboard. In between the rear view mirrors, you have a speedometer, an odometer, your position in the race and time, as well as stamina and the stamina of the rider nearest to you. You'll ride through various locations in California, including the Pacific Coast, Palm Desert and my personal favourite, 
Dreadwood Forest. Each location has its own music and its own look and feel. You'll be dodging wildlife, cars, oil slicks and trees as you go. You'll also fight for survival against other racers. And you'll need to fight. Some of the riders are much harder to pass than others. And whilst punching and kicking is effective, there's nothing better than lining up your opponent into the path of an oncoming car. If you're lucky, you can pick up whips and clubs from other riders, which will increase the damage you can inflict. And aside from anything else, who doesn't want to wield a weapon whilst riding a motorcycle? This is part of what makes the game fun to play. There's variety in every race, and the game doesn't take itself too seriously. But get knocked off, and you will have to face a humiliating and often long run back to your bike, whilst continuing to dodge cars and other riders. As you win and progress, you earn cash, which you can use to buy better bikes. You thought you were doing well when you saved up five grand for the Panda 600, but that was nothing compared to the Diablo 1000 at $25,000. The original manual has some great descriptions for the bikes. The Diablo 1000 features fuel-injected horsepower and advises that you shouldn't buy it unless you're strong enough to handle the extremes. The Panda 750 is the one to get if, and I quote, you want to impress Natasha. You're going to need these upgraded bikes though. Once you progress in the game, the races get longer and your opponents increase in their speed and aggression. There's a cost to the increased speed though. The tempo ramps up and this forces more mistakes. The signs, animals and buildings that line the edge of the road seem to get closer and the pressure to stay on two wheels is even greater. Before each race, you'll be given a pithy comment from a fellow racer. This could be the preppy Biff or the ominous hell dog. Outside of this though, there isn't much story, but it's satisfying to catch up to and hit your biggest rivals. Win a race, bank the cash, proceed to the next one. The formula is simple and that's fine. This is a racing game with an arcade feel. I'm not looking for any real depth here. As you race along at breakneck speed, you'll also have some interest from the police. Starting with O'Leary and eventually from Officer O'Connor, the toughest rider on the patrol. Be sure to take out these bikes when you come across them, because if you hit the deck, they'll be straight onto you to issue a fine or take you downtown for a stay in the cells. As I mentioned earlier, the music is one of my favourite parts of this game. Just like Super Hang On, the music has almost a hypnotic quality for me. It really allows you to build up a rhythm as you wind through the hills of California. It's also unashamedly obnoxious, a mixture of rock and country vibes. This is classic Sega music from the early 90s for me, with a real MIDI feel, with twangs and beats to match. There's no engine note from the bikes, and actually, that's something I like. Given that you have the throttle pinned almost constantly in this game, I don't see what will be added by a background drone cutting through the music. So that's the game in a nutshell, but I promised you some trivia, so coming up next... Here's three interesting facts about Road Rash. First up, there were six instalments of this game released in the 1990s. Starting with Road Rash, all the way through to Road Rash 64 in 1999. Secondly, whilst the game was developed for the Mega Drive, there were various ports released in the early 90s, including for the Amiga, Sega Game Gear and Nintendo's Game Boy. A version for the SNES was planned in the mid-90s, but never materialised. And finally, the game has no real multiplayer mode, although two players can alternate in races and compare their scores. 
The lack of simultaneous multiplayer was due to the limitations of the console at the time, but subsequent versions of the game do get this feature. So how has the game held up over time? That's coming up next in my roundup of this game. I have to say, this game holds up extremely well. The controls feel responsive and well-mastered, and the game is still fun to play. And as I said, the music is great. The difficulty curve is as hard as I remember it, and the later races are long and tough with little margin for error. The game can get quite frustrating at times. The updated bikes help out, but the increased tempo does force me to make more mistakes. Thinking back, I'm actually amazed I was able to get so far in this game when I first played it. I will say, the game does lack a bit of variety. There is some visual difference between each location, but it's not much. Each race is essentially the same format. Perhaps the addition of a time trial mode would have been a good feature for the game. Overall, this is a challenging game that takes a few minutes to learn, but a very long time to master. For me, that's the hallmark of a great video game from this era. And now on to my scores. So when I rate games on this podcast, I'm going to do it on four categories. Visuals, music, gameplay, and nostalgia. Each out of ten. For Road Rash, I'm going to give it an eight for visuals. I feel it does a good job there. Got to be a nine for music for me. That really makes the game fantastic. Seven for gameplay. I do think there could be a bit more variety. And eight for nostalgia. This is definitely a game that I really remember playing from back in the day. So that's a total score of 32. Given this is the first episode, I have absolutely no idea how that is against any of the other games I'm going to play. But I can say for certain, I really enjoyed revisiting this one. Let me know if you agree. Drop me an email to hello at that90svgp.com and tell me what you think. And also, anything you'd like to see in future episodes of this podcast. So coming up next, let's take a look at some of the big news items from the year Road Rash was released, 1991. It was a big year, with the SNES released in North America in August 91. This was almost a whole year after the Japanese release in 1990, and a full six months before the European release in 92. Another big release for the Mega Drive was Sonic the Hedgehog, This was quickly a classic, with Sonic becoming Sega's mascot and spawning a hugely successful and long-running series. Our favourite plumber also featured in Super Mario World, bundled with the SNES, and it also introduced Yoshi to our screens. In December, the Civilization series was born, created by Sid Meier on the back of the success of Pirates and Railroad Tycoon. This game was a genre-defining classic. Other releases this year included Final Fantasy IV, Street Fighter II, Mega Man 4, and Lemmings. Lemmings was a strange experience, ultimately a puzzle game for PC, and gaining a following for its clever game mechanics and ever-increasing difficulty. Finally, the raging battle for superiority in the handheld market continued. Nintendo, Atari, Sega, and NEC were all in the mix. For the era, I think this defined the early 90s for me. Ultimately, Nintendo would come out on top, not because it had the best hardware, and I'm thinking here about the full-colour, backlit display of the Game Gear, but because it frankly had the best games. This is definitely something that we'll explore in more detail in future episodes. And that's the news.
Well, that's the end of our first episode. Thank you so much for joining me. If you haven't subscribed already, then please do, so you'll get notified of the next episode as soon as it's available. A review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts would really help me out as well. Check out our website at that90svgp.com and don't forget to send me any of your thoughts or ideas to hello at that90svgp.com. Next time, we're going to jump forward a few years to 1996. I'll be looking at the first few months of the Nintendo 64's life, talking about the console itself, that crazy controller, and all of the best accessories. I'll also be looking at some of the games that got this console started and taking a deep dive into a very special game for this system. All of that and more coming up in the next episode of That 90s Video Game Podcast. Thanks again for joining me and see you again in a few weeks.